But one of the things that's happening in our church family right now is that Jonathan has gone to Japan. And we're blessed by Jonathan when he's here. And when he's not here, the rest of us have to kind of fill in. But you don't know how that's going to go when Kelly does it. A couple of things I want to mention. We do have some decorations around here. You've seen those. And there is going to be some more preparation for Vacation Bible School today after our assembly. And so I want to encourage you to stick around. I know that there's going to be some pizza around 1 o'clock. So you could stay around for pizza at 1 o'clock or so. And in the meantime, help with VBS and continue to prep for that. So I don't know how long that will take us, but I know this. If there are 50 of us here, it'll take way less time than if there's five of us here. And so please feel free to stay around and help with the vacation prep today, and all, uh, all will get done. Many hands will make light work. We have a couple of people sitting right back there, Mike and Linda Spita. Why don't you wave, Mike and Linda? Wave higher, Mike. They, um, they have spent hours, and especially Linda, in the last three weeks or so, here at the building virtually every day, hours every day, getting things ready for Vacation Bible School. And I'm really grateful for that kind of devotion, that kind of commitment to service, willingness to do something, again, for our children, like we said before. Uh, It is a wonderful blessing to have children in our church, but sometimes they require of us attention and hard work and service. And Linda and Mike have been doing that, and I just want to thank them for that. It's a rich blessing to have them do so. Yeah. That is well-deserved, for sure. If, if you had seen how many hours she was here, uh, you would know that was well-deserved. We are in the middle of a series on Jesus and some of the great questions. You know, there are some great questions that the world is asking of Christianity, asking of Christians. And we can't address them all in a summer series, but there are some of them that we can And so we've been talking already uh, in just the last few weeks about some of these great questions that arise, about things like, who exactly is the revealer of God, and why is it that God requires revelation to begin with? And here's some things that we think, I think, that we've kind of determined already, and I think are really important for us to have in mind as we move forward this morning. The first one is this, it is fruitless for us to think that we can know much of anything about what is beyond our natural world without that which is out there coming to us. In other words, it's too big, it's too grand, it's too magnificent. I can't begin to figure it out on my own. I'm way too limited. Fortunately, God decided to do something about that. And so despite the fact that He's way beyond who I am and my abilities, God decided to come and do something to show to me Himself. And I would say that that means that grace and love are the reasons for revelation and the only means by which we can know anything of the divine. In other words, God didn't have to reveal Himself, but He chooses to. And in choosing to reveal Himself, I think He reveals His grace. I think He shows Himself to be this great lover of His creation the lover of humankind who comes and loves us so much. Now, some things specifically, that was kind of the first week, some things specifically from last week. Number one, not only do the explanations for the universe and the claims of the world's religions mutually exclude one another, which I think they do, 
and I'll let you just soak that in for a moment, I think that the claims that the various religions make in the world actually do mutually exclude one another so that they can't all be right. I'm not even sure that there's many of them at all, two, three, that could be right all at once. I think they mutually exclude one another, and we saw that last week. But not only that, Jesus was really clear about claiming for himself a unique status as the chosen revelation of God. The very thing that we saw in the previous week was necessary. And so the first week we saw that we couldn't begin to understand who God was unless he showed himself to us. That we just couldn't get it. The the universe is billions of light years across. It's way beyond uh, even our solar system or our galaxy. And because it's so big, God is way beyond that as the creator of this universe. And I couldn't begin to grasp all of that and get my mind around it unless he revealed it to me. And now he says, I did this specifically in the person of Jesus. And so Jesus says, I am the one who has revealed this. Well, that means something for us. There can be no pride for us in thinking that we are right in believing in Jesus. And unfortunately, this is somehow, this is the way that the world often views us. People look at us as Christians and they say, oh, they think they've got it right. They think they're the ones who've nailed this down. And what we want to say to them is not hardly. We don't understand. We don't grasp it. We can't comprehend this. We didn't figure out anything. God has simply chosen to reveal something to us, and we simply believe it. We hear him. We would say that God has revealed something to us in Jesus, and in that there isn't one speck of pride. So we aren't right. We have been shown something we believe to be the truth. It's the truth-filled explanation for everything, even for those things beyond our comprehensions. And so I can't get it. But I would say, despite the fact that I can't begin to get it. um, You know, for a while there, they thought that there was nine planets in our solar system and that Pluto was the outer one. How many of you learned that as a kid? That Pluto was the the outside planet? Yeah, most of you have your hands up or older, like me. You know, they've changed that. They don't think that Pluto's a planet now. And I haven't looked at all the specifics of this to learn what they're currently teaching about the solar system, but I do know that they're saying that Pluto's not the ninth planet. Who knew? I thought Pluto was it. So things, things are, in one sense, absolutely incomprehensible when we can't even get our own solar system right. And that's very close at hand in comparison with the rest of the universe. So if we can't get that one right... Well, I I don't know if we have the ability to get anything right. And God, thank God, decided that in the midst of all that, He would nonetheless show us who He is and some things that are true about Him. And so we can't get anything right, I don't think, but God is capable and, and shows us things. Well, there are two things that I want to show us this morning that I would say that are true and that we need to get some kind of handle on specifically because Jesus decided that these are things that he wanted to show us. And so, Jesus is the revealer, the one who shows to us who God is. And here's just a couple of truths this morning that I think are really important for us to get in the face of all the challenges that the world throws at us these days. 
that we need to have some clue about in response to Jesus. And the first one is this. Simply that God is. Now, Jesus didn't actually say this. There's no point in the Scriptures where you're going to find Jesus saying, oh, by the way, God is. The Father is. The reason for that is because Jesus came into a world where it was understood. He was working with Jews. The Jews believed that there was a God. He didn't have to prove to them anything about who God is. Everyone, in some sense, already believed it, and therefore they were what we would call theists. But we don't live in a theistic culture anymore. In fact, we put a a vowel in front of the word theist. We put an A there. And what's that word? Atheist. And there are a lot of people in our world, of course, who are atheists. There are a lot of agnostics as well. People who would say they, uh, they don't know what's going on. But Jesus came with what he says is a truth. And he says, I came from God specifically to reveal this truth about who this one is. And so, in John 1.18, Jesus says, or it's said about Jesus, no one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, or the only Son, depending on what translation you're looking at, who is at the Father's side, what's the next few words say? Has come to make Him known. And so, while Jesus doesn't stand up and say, God is, He does say, I came to make known this one whom you believe in. So we could go to a a lot of places in Scripture that talk about this, um, different things. There's another one in John 5, 24. Whoever believes in me does not believe in me alone, but in the one who sent me. And there's affirmed in this, assumed in this, some truth about the fact that God is. And I would say that this is a major premise A major truth that we have to get in line in our heads if we're going to be the kind of theist that God wants us to be. But then on top of that, there is a second revealed truth that I want us to see this morning. I want us to turn in the Bible and see all of this together. So turn, if you would, to John chapter 17. It's on page uh, 765, 765 if you're looking at a Bible underneath the seats. John chapter 17. And there are three things that I want us to see here that come together. So John chapter 17, I'm going to read verses 1 through 8 in just a moment. But these are the things that I want us to get a handle on when we turn to John 17. And these we've already mentioned this morning. Jesus as the one who reveals God. That's the claim. That there is beyond the 46 billion light years between us and the edge of the universe, that there is beyond that one who reveals God. And this person is Jesus. And I want us to see that and watch for that in John 17. The second thing is the notion of God's real existence. Again, that God is. And I would say that that is affirmed and not just assumed, but believed in John 17 verses 1 through 8. And then the third thing is this notion of the Father's Lordship. And the reason I want to mention this this morning is because it's a a major idea about what God is in the eyes of Jesus, the one who reveals Him. So Jesus is the revealer of God. And what is it that Jesus says about God, which is so crucial for us to get today? And by the way, 
The reason that we're going through this series and the reason why I'm talking about things which for some of you are pretty routine is because there is so many questions on the minds of people today about these very things. I'm sitting here looking out this morning and there are some uh, young adults in our group. Um, There are some of you who are young adults who are in university or you're fresh out of university. And you're thinking about and wrestling with these very things. There are some of you who are going to go to university. And it it is the case that as younger people go out of high school, they get out of their parents' uh, home and out of their direct attention and oversight, they move into a world that in many ways is challenging to the faith that they have. So how are they going to stay where I think God wants them to stay with respect to the things that they believe? And so the things that we're talking about for the last few weeks and certainly today are absolutely foundational to, I think, maintaining this kind of faith. And this notion that Jesus is the one who reveals these things and that he reveals that God is as the revealer of God is telling. That is significant. If he really is the one who reveals God and then he says God, in fact, is as a major foundation for what it means for us to believe, then we need to keep voicing that and, in fact, express it, I think, in the ways that Jesus would express it. So John chapter 17, verses 1 through 8, and I want you to watch for these three things. Jesus is the one who reveals God, God's real existence, which is kind of just not assumed but affirmed, believed and then the Father's Lordship. And this is, by, by the way, one of my favorite uh, places in all of Scripture, and, and it's because it reveals so much of who God is. John 17, verse 1. After Jesus said this, He looked toward heaven and He prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Your Son so that Your Son may glorify you. And just think about who the Father is to the Son in that kind of statement. For you granted Him authority over all people that He might give eternal life to all those you have given Him. So the Father gives to the Son those who will believe in Him. Again, a place of authority on the part of the Father. Now this is eternal life that they know you the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And again, think of the relationship between Father and Son and the authority and the place that the Son is now giving the Father in His life. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. In other words, before our universe came into existence. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me. And it says that they obeyed your word. And so again, God becomes the authority and even the authority for the Son who in obedience to the Father's wishes is doing the Father's will and then has called the apostles to do the same. They were yours. You gave them to me. 
They've obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you've given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. This passage is is just overflowing, exploding with revelation. The notion that the Son reveals who the Father is, and because of what He knows about the Father, He begs humankind to listen and to believe and to serve, to be obedient because of the place that the Father has. And this, brothers and sisters, is where we need to be when it comes to asking, or maybe answering, I should say, these questions that the world keeps asking. Who is this Jesus? And to what does he point? And what is it that we need to believe because Jesus, who reveals the Father, keeps pointing to the Father as the answer to all the questions we have? Now, I can't say, I can't prove to you that Jesus is the one that God said he was. I can't prove to you that Jesus is the one who Jesus said he was. I can't prove to you that Jesus is the one the apostles said he was. But I think that the fact that we need so badly to have something revealed to us, even to know, and that Jesus then comes and says, I am the one who will tell you about God. I can tell you about the supernatural. I can tell you about the divine one. That points in the direction of something that I have to pay attention to. And in this case, because Jesus not only says what he says, but does what he does, I end up believing and giving myself to this one who says these things. And so all of this makes great sense to me. It makes great sense to me that we couldn't begin to comprehend and understand that which is beyond our natural world. I cannot get it. But then when I see what Jesus said and what Jesus did, it just makes so much sense to me that he is, in fact, the one who reveals God to humankind. And if he is, then all of our young adults especially, who are challenged constantly with these kinds of questions, have to ask serious questions about who he is. Is he the one he claims to be? Has he really revealed God the way that he says he does? I believe that he does. We need to wrestle with these questions and determine for ourselves whether or not we believe that Jesus is the revealer of God. I believe that he is. So let me summarize things this way. Jesus, who assumes and affirms the existence of God, came to reveal God to us. And our response, like that of Jesus and the apostles, should be to accept our Trinitarian God as Lord, shown in our obedience. That's what He wants from us. That's why He came. And if Jesus has really revealed God to us, as He says He did, if that's what He came for, then the calling on my heart, the calling on my life to respond with faith in Jesus is absolutely, as we said a couple of weeks ago, 
determinative. It has to determine who I am. It has to determine the choices that I make, where I'm going in life, because this one is the one who has the answers about who God is. Let's pray. Lord, we are constantly challenged, not just our young adults, but, but all of us are, question, are challenged with the questions of belief and whether or not we will continue believing. God, I, I absolutely trust that you have revealed yourself to us through the person of Jesus of Nazareth. I absolutely believe that his ministry here on earth and his teachings, the revealing that he did about you, that all of those things are truth. Father, I pray that you would help us to be faithful people who continue to cling to the notion of truth in Jesus and that we live our lives absolutely in accordance with that belief. We pray these things through Christ.